Good evening and welcome back to another episode of Please Call Me Crazy, brought to you by Free People Radio, powered by our favorite sponsor, TireGet.com. That's TireGet.com. You have to buy tires from somebody, you might as well buy them from us. Help fund the movement, help support the movement. We believe in the freedom of movement, and that's exactly what the establishment wants to take from you now. I am your host, Royce White, here in the belly of the beast, Minneapolis, Minnesota, for episode 137. Episode 137, welcome back for another episode this evening. I appreciate you being here. We want to send a special thank you to the entire War Room posse, the entire War Room audience, uh, Grace Chong, Maureen Bannon, and the great Steve Bannon for streaming the podcast every evening over on War Room's Getter page and Rumble page. We also want to thank InfoWars and the Band.Video crew for allowing us to host the content on Band.Video. Uh, sending our wish, our, our well wishes to Alex Jones and the and the crew over there, um, as well as the entire Fearless audience who still is watching Fearless and and uh, encouraging my good friend Jason Whitlock in this journey, uh, in his journey to um, to become what what he's destined to be. Um, I want to thank all the people that listen to the podcast that don't watch it live on YouTube or on Rumble or on Getter or. Now I'm starting to stream episodes on Twitter because it's all systems go. Um, and in the first couple of weeks here in December, you're going to see me kick the Senate campaign into high gear because we got caucuses in February already here in the state of Minnesota. And today's episode, I want to talk about a few current events, but but more as an extension of what I was talking about on Monday. And then we're going to have a few guest episodes for the rest of the week. Hotep Jesus and Sonny Johnson, uh, two individuals who speak the truth on behalf of all Americans, but more specifically, uh, two unique voices when it comes to the cultural and political climate of black people in America, which is as important as it's ever been. And the New York Times just posted an article, um, I don't know, it must have been yesterday, uh, or, or if not the day before, maybe it was on the 27th. And then the article says, uh, let me read you the headline. Are black voters leaving Democrats behind? That's the headline. And the polls, I mean, the, the subtitle, the subtext says, polls suggest they might be. So we convened a very special Thanksgiving focus group to try and understand why. This was from November 23rd. Um, so. I mean, more of what, what, what I was saying the other day. Now, look, I know, I know some of you are triggered. I get it. I get it. You're triggered. You know, you're triggered. You, you, you know, anytime somebody starts to talk about policing and anytime there's, there's an issue that was highly politicized when it comes to a racial uh, altercation, beef, whatever, the, whatever, you know, everybody's emotions are all out of sorts. Um, so, you know, we got a lot of feedback from talking about Derek Chauvin and uh, Chauvin and, and George Floyd the way that I did on Monday. And I expect it and I expect more of it. And I like that. I like to see you all out of sorts. I like to see you all emotional. I like to see you showing me who you really are, because here in Minnesota, we're getting a lot of a lot of feedback from outstate rural Minnesota that sees the creeping normalcy and pervasive nature of the police state and of the entire legal system as a whole. And that is the real danger. And let me start by saying this. One, 
just to just to piggyback what I was saying on Friday uh, Monday, and I don't want to go into a bunch of the responses, but but you could you could say the, the the typical responses. Oh, you're off base. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what it is to control. You know, uh, you know, to maintain control over people or to be a cop or whatever. The I mean, come on. Okay, you, you, we could say that if, if that's the case, if I have no right to criticize police because I've never been a cop, then you have no right to criticize any president or anybody else in any position of power that you haven't experienced yourself. Give me a break. It's ridiculous, okay? When you watch a basketball game or a football game, you have the right to have an opinion about how that game is being played. Now, the less you know about it, the less credible your opinion would probably be on a broad basis. But there's, you know, a broken clock is right two times a day. So even if you have no knowledge or expertise in a given topic, uh, sometimes common sense pays uh, or bears fruit, pays dividends or bears fruit. On mass, the more familiarity, the more experience, the more knowledge and skill you have in a given thing, the more you can talk about it. Just so happens I'm a professional mixed martial artist. And Next week, we're going to have the great Greg Nelson on, who is a world-class mixed martial arts instructor who's trained cops, who's trained military, who's trained special forces and Brazilian jiu-jitsu and other weapons training and, and all sorts of martial arts techniques. So we're going to have him on the podcast to talk more about the physical anatomy of physical altercations because it could bear fruit for you in the future. And I would recommend all of you go and find a place in your area, in your local community that teaches or trains some form of martial arts or weapons training, whether it be jujitsu, whether it be kickboxing, whether it be mixed martial arts, um, uh, whether it be firearms with with uh, martial arts, find a place and start to be be uh, to build uh, some some reliability and confidence in your own physical fitness and your your uh, physical combat readiness um cqb uh i mean uh cqc close quarter combat uh all of it right Th these are things that we should be starting to um to think about um and if you can't hey go to youtube there are plenty of good martial arts instructors on youtube that you can find now be careful Right. I mean, there's some bad ones out there, too, but there are plenty of very good martial arts instructors that you can find on the Internet now and, and you can learn and practice on your own. I've done it a lot. I've had the, the great privilege to have great instructors, world class instructors like Greg Nelson. But I've also spent time and, and mined out little little things that I that I could and, and apply to my own um, my own game, as we call it, because I'm a professional, but but my own skill as well. Um, apply what is useful and discard what is not. That's the great quote from from Bruce Lee. Um, but my, my point is to get back to the focus for today. I know, I know it triggers you. I get it. I get it. And, and to go back to what I said on Monday, this uh, I'm tripling down, tripling down on it. You you and I'm watching the comments and I, I understand that that the pendulum swings both ways and the and the machine of misinformation is intended to pull people apart from one another, but even more importantly, pull people away from the truth. And the truth is, the truth is at about at about four minutes, George Floyd was completely unconscious and Derek Chauvin continued to kneel on him for another four minutes. Now, when you say four minutes, maybe it doesn't seem like a long time, 
But then I know you've never been in an actual fight. Or I, I, I know there's a low likelihood that you've ever been in a, an actual fight. Um, four minutes is a lifetime in a fight. Four minutes is an, a lifetime when you're in a uh, bad position. Let's say when you're in the down position, if we're going to talk martial arts or, or uh, um, mixed martial arts or combat combat, uh, combat sports or, or a street fight. When you're in the down position, when you're in a disadvantaged position, when you're, when you're fighting for your life, four minutes is a lifetime. It only takes a few seconds to, to be killed. I mean, we know that. This is part of what justifies when cops need to use lethal force. I used the example before when the George Floyd protests were, were taking place. There were a number of issues that were still sort of popping up across the country. And one of them was a young girl, a teenage girl, she must have been 14 years old, was shot and killed by a cop. When she was having a, she had been having an altercation um, with another young teenager and she pulled the knife on her and she had the knife fisted, right? She had it in a, in a dangerous position, uh, in, in a dangerous posture, and she went to go rush the girl. The cop opened fire and killed the, the teenage girl who had the knife. Why? Because all it would have took was a couple of thrusts uh, from, from that young woman to kill that other teenager. That's a fact. And I say that to affirm that, yes, cops are put in positions often where they have to make snap time decisions in order to, to maintain the safety of the people that are in the, in the given uh, vicinity. Uh, or or themselves, right? Other citizens, but also themselves. Um, so so I do understand it, and and I understand it because I spend time around police officers. I spent time around ex military guys. I've spent time around people who understand the dynamic of of fighting and in combat. I mean, it's I'm a professional. I mean, we our whole brains are geared around this this sort of uh, um, this sort of uh, calculation. Uh, I'll walk into a room and I'll start thinking about the exits right away. I'll start think I'll start sizing people up right away, thinking if if that guy attacked me, what 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 would I do from this angle? That's just how that's just how combat athletes and fighters' minds uh, are geared, at least the good ones anyway. And and again, I'll say the greatest skill that a, that an athlete can have, the greatest skill that an athlete uh, can can develop or is born with, or is taught, the greatest skill is anticipation. And there's a great corollary between athletes and, and their ability to anticipate when it comes to movement and soldiers. Now, there's also a huge gap between being in an octagon and, and the, the, the risk at the very height of it being, yeah, you could surely die. There are a lot of fighters, boxers, mixed martial artists, so on and so forth that die from their injuries sustained during, uh, you know, during competition. Um, but there's there's a huge gap between that and being out there in a live combat situation behind enemy lines, for example, or in some other close quarter, uh, high risk, uh, you know, violent or volatile situation. There's a huge gap. But the the foundations, the fundamentals, the theories, the philosophy is very similar at the same time. Um, the fact remains, George Floyd was unconscious at about three and a half minutes in that video, four minutes. And Derek Chauvin continued to kneel on him for another four minutes. That's a fact. Everybody wants to say facts, don't care about your feelings. That's a fact. Maybe you didn't see the video. Four minutes is a fucking lifetime. 
okay? Second fact, everybody goes to the fentanyl, and don't get me wrong, the fentanyl definitely contributed. There's, there's no, there's nobody, nobody with any sense would argue that that wasn't a contributing factor. George Floyd had a 75% block in one of his coronary arteries. He had heart disease. He had, uh, you know, coronary artery disease. That played a factor. Um, he had COVID-19. That played a factor. Two of those things, two of those things come from a weak foreign policy. Horrible foreign policy, a scam of foreign policy, a treasonous foreign policy, in my opinion, to be quite honest with you. I'm just going to be honest. I think our relationship with China over the last, I don't know, 20 to 30 odd some years could could very easily be described as treason. The fentanyl that we know they're sending across the border, that we know they're sending across the border, and yet still our corporate and political elites honor President Xi on our own soil. Our political and corporate elites honor President Xi on our soil, and we have countless numbers of people dying of fentanyl that we know the CCP are sending to us. COVID-19. Everybody said the Wuhan lab was a conspiracy theory. Now we know it's likely that the, the virus spread or leaked from the lab. That's the, that's the new conventional wisdom after they called us all conspiracy theories, me, theorists, me included. I wore the gain-of-function T-shirt at the Big Three, and then the, the, you know, the, the peanut gallery descended and said, this guy's a conspiracy theorist. And they'll never apologize. They'll never say we got it wrong because it's not in them to, to – you know, to correct themselves. But we know. But in knowing the truth, we have to also start to modify our thinking about all of the things those now confirmed theories tell us. Two of the contributing factors on the day George Floyd died came straight out of Beijing. Now, did he make the choice himself? COVID-19? No, obviously he probably he can't be held responsible for that. Um, fentanyl? Absolutely. Most likely. Um, but, but respectfully, there are a lot of people out here that are doing, uh, doctor prescribed drugs who may have fentanyl in their system from a prescribed drug. I mean, when all of your antibiotics, when all of your drugs, when all of most of your pharmaceuticals are coming from the CCP, you don't know what they're cutting the shit with. Let's just be honest. We all just, you know, go get our prescription filled. We go see doc. We go get our prescription written. Then we go get it filled. Then we go to Walgreens or CVS or Target or wherever you go to get your prescription filled. And we open up that bag and we read the instructions and we take the pill and we throw it back and, and we pray for the best. We don't know what the fuck we're taking, to be quite honest. We all want to believe that the FDA, oh, the FDA is properly regulating our pharmaceuticals. Give me a break. I mean, it's so, it's so, it's so naive. It's scary. It's actually scary. So two of the, two of the contributing factors in George Floyd came straight out of Beijing. And we all know that, that that's a fact. Even still, I went back and I, and, and I was sifting through some of the information of the case because, Hey, if they want to call a new trial, I'm not against them calling a new trial. 
Give Derek Chauvin a new trial. Maybe there is more information. Maybe we'll uncover some more corruption in, in a new trial. I'm fine with that. Have as many trials as you need to have. I, I don't, it doesn't really bother me. I, I, honestly, the truth is the truth. Anybody who doesn't want to have a new trial or anybody who's afraid to let new evidence come to light, then they're not really interested in the truth. I am. Let them have a new trial. I want to hear more information. I thought the trial got closed pretty quick in the interest of political expediency. And we damn sure know that the Democrats here in Minnesota didn't expedite that legal process in the interest of black people or justice. So have at it. Have another trial. I want to hear more of you people come to the stand and make your case. But as I was, as I was sifting through the information from la the last trial, I came across the testimony of one of the medical experts who, who had looked at the blood levels of fentanyl. fentanyl. And um, it was interesting that he got on the stand and testified that of the last 2,000 people they looked at, who, blood test, um, who had been pulled over for being under the influence and ended up being on fentanyl, uh, arrested for being under the influence and, ha and ended up being on fentanyl, the average blood level of fentanyl across all 2,000 people now, meaning some were high, some were low, in between the average of all 2,000 people was 9.5 nanograms per liter. 9.5 nanograms of fentanyl per liter. George Floyd's was 11. That's 1.5 nanograms more than the average. Now, you could say that's a lot, but some of you also have this this uh, explanation for what happened that day as George Floyd is a big guy. Well, if George Floyd being a big guy comes to bear on your analyzing Derek Chauvin's behavior and how long he needed to kneel on George Floyd, then it also needs to come into play when you consider how much drugs his body could take. The bigger you are, usually, the more drugs you can take. The more experienced you are or the more, um, the more tolerance you have to drugs in general, usually the more drugs your body can take. That's a fact. Tons and tons of scientific literature to support that fact. So all in all, 1.5 nanograms per liter over the average isn't that much. I mean, it just isn't. And the interesting fact, the interesting fact that nobody wants to talk about when I see you in the comments saying George Floyd definitely died of fentanyl, all 2,000 people who were arrested and tested for fentanyl, for driving under the influence here in Minnesota, all 2,000 who had fentanyl in their system survived. All 2,000 people who had been arrested, who had been pulled over for driving under the influence and arrested and had their blood tested positive for fentanyl, all 2,000 of them survived. Fact. I don't know what to tell you about that. I don't know what that says. Does that mean that George Floyd wasn't that 2,001st person who was unlucky and died from fentanyl? No, that's not, saying, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just providing information, information that I think gets overlooked when people get hyper-emotional uh, regarding a, a, a very politicized topic or conversation. Maybe George Floyd was that unlucky 2,001st person 
to take fentanyl where all other 2,000 lived, he was that unlucky one who didn't. Maybe. But it's also possible, there's also a maybe, that the amount of stress his body was put under out there on the street contributed to it as well. And if you can't have both maybes, then I know you're not interested in the truth. I just know that and go caucus with the Democrats because we don't need to play fast and loose with the truth. The truth is on our side. Whether Derek Chauvin is guilty or not, the truth is on our side. That's why the New York Times is panicking about the black vote. They know all of these liberals, all of these global elites around the world know that the populist movement is on the rise. But the first thing we here in the American nationalist populist movement have to understand is that many, many who have hidden in the Republican apparatus, in the Republican establishment or the Republican voter base, for that matter, are part of the reason that we've been held back, are part of the reason that the movement has taken this long. And I asked the question the other day, if you have an emotion, if you have a very emotional opinion, if you're very invested in the George Floyd story, just tell me, did you vote for George Bush? Be honest. Just tell me, did you vote for George Bush? And where's the real issue here? And, and that's what I want to get to today. I don't even really want to talk about George Floyd anymore. I just offered a few more facts that I think pe that are, should be interesting to people. Should they have a new trial if there's new evidence that's come to light? Great. I'm all for it and everybody else should be. Let's be all for more trials, more appeals, more mistrials, because we know the legal system's corrupt as the day is long. That's a fact. Okay. But what I'm really here to talk to you about today is what I'm really here to talk to you today about uh, to talk to you about today is the follow the money follow the money part of Monday's show. I I I don't this can't be overstated. I mean follow the money cannot be overstated. And I had people say, "Oh, well, you participated in Black Lives Matter protests. Huh? Excuse me? Not one protest I participated in was a Black Lives Matter protest. In fact, I explicitly didn't participate in any Black Lives Matter protests because I don't, I don't believe in the, the, the movement. I don't believe in the, the agenda. That's just it. I don't, there's no other way to say it. I don't believe in the agenda. The agenda's corny. It's corny and it's corrupt. Number one, it's corrupt. That's the most important thing. It's dishonest and it's corrupt. But also, it's just corny. I mean, just from a, just from a pride standpoint and a dignity standpoint, I can't really associate with these people because they're corny. And I think that's fair for me to say. I don't want to hang with corny people. I don't want to be associated or affiliated with corny people. Now, when you go to call a protest, whoever shows up isn't your affiliation. These are the people who decide to show up and speak. And as an American citizen, I believe in their right to show up and speak, whether it's in support of, whether it's in detraction of, whether it's in, uh, you know, whatever their opinion is, I support their right to show up and speak. That's American citizenship. That's the First Amendment. That, that, that's what it is. That's what this country's built on. It's a cornerstone of American citizenship. Anybody who wants to show up and speak has a right to do so. 
The point of the protests that I organized with other young black men in the belly of the beast was to help educate. And that's what politics is supposed to be about. Politics is, is about educating. First of all, politics is the combat arena of ideas through oratory and composition. And the point is to educate people on the, and you got to be careful with the word educate because education isn't always a net positive. You can miseducate people as well, or you can educate people in lies as well. But the point of politics is to educate, educate people on your point of view, on your political platform or your political uh, thoughts or, or, or strategies or whatever it is, educate people and try to help them understand or see the thing the way that you see it. That's the whole point of what we're doing here. That's the point of the work Alex Jones has been doing for 25 years. That's the point of the work Steve Bannon has been doing. That's the point of the work that Jason Whitlock has been doing. That's the point of the work. Supposedly, that's the point of the work of what Jason Whitlock has been doing. Don't get me wrong. Some of these people are in it for money. Some of these people are in it for an audience. Some of these people are in it for pussy. Some of these people are in it to look cool. Some of these people are in it to, to have friends or, or to seem important. I'm not plagued by any of those things. I'm just being quite honest. I was always a ladies' man when I was coming up, respectfully. That's just the reality. I've always had success with, with women. Um, I have four children, um, you know, so take that for what it is. Um, I've always had my own lunch table. Never needed to be cool. Never needed to seem cool. Never, never wanted people's approval. Actually, I actually, over the course of my lifetime, have, seen, have, have gotten more out of going against, going against the, the, the momentum of the crowd, going against the way of, of the crowd. I never go with the trendier or uh, the, the trendy thing or the fad or what's popular. I don't even feel comfortable when too many people blindly agree with what I'm saying. I'm just going to be honest. I start to question my I start to question myself. When too many people blindly agree with what I'm saying, I I I put what I'm saying on trial. Not that what I'm saying may not be factual or based in the truth, but I start to ask myself is the reason people are agreeing righteous? And that's a secondary consideration that one must have in anything they decide to talk about. There's is the thing true or factual and then there and then there is are the people who are agreeing or supporting you do it from doing it from a righteous standpoint for a righteous reason two separate things one can be true and the other not i could support everything that somebody's saying i could understand that what they're saying is factual but i could be supporting them out of my own pride envy greed the seven deadly sins you pick them Never needed to be cool. So my point is, there's nothing about anything that I was involved in with the BLM protests, BLM, quote unquote, protests, because uh, I guess if one BLM person shows up or 5,000 BLM pe people show up uh, at any given time, then they just have dominated and monopolized and can lay claim on the... I mean, you see what's happened here? You see what's happened here? Any, it's, 
BLM has become like a, 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 a parasitical disease, right? In, in the mind and lexicon of the American citizen, it's like anything that BLM is even loosely associated with or touches, they automatically lay claim and ownership to. Not me. Not the black men who are, not the black men or the black Americans who are now supporting Donald Trump. And a lot of them were out there that day. The numbers suggest that. The numbers will tell us that a lot of the black folks all across the country that were protesting and demonstrating and expressing, expressing their frustration about George Floyd now are going to vote for Donald Trump, now support Donald Trump. Those are facts. Those are facts. The numbers would, would suggest that. And I've seen it. I know it. I know it personally. So don't take the fucking New York Times word for it. I know it personally. I know personally men who were out there who were pissed off at the way George Floyd was treated. Pissed off about how the police have been allowed to, to become this uh, militarized force all across the country for a long time now. Who distrust the police completely, but are going to vote for Donald Trump. I know him personally. I know him personally. So this ain't conjecture. This ain't this ain't a theory. This ain't some uh, uh, focus group run by the liberal media. This is actually being out there with your feet on the ground and your hands in the soil. And I say I don't say soil as a pejorative, like like I'm getting my hands dirty. I mean my hands in the soil. That this is good soil. This is soil that can bear fruit. I got my hands right in the soil, and it's ripe. It's 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 arable soil, good dirt, black dirt. We are at a pivotal moment in American history. A pivotal moment, and the future of this country depends on. Breaking the narrative. We have to break this narrative. This narrative is this narrative is out of control. This narrative is is crossed. The wires are crossed five, six different ways. And in order to break the narrative, some of us have to be willing to do things that we normally wouldn't want to do. And to be quite honest, I normally would not want to go anywhere near a protest where some people are trying to use the death of black men to push an LGBTQ agenda. Under normal circumstances, I wouldn't want to spend my time doing that. But drastic times call for drastic measures. And I say, I repeat, where were all the conservatives during the George Floyd protests? If you actually believe in, in you see, this is, and this is where I start, to, I start to feel the spirit of why the black men, but black voters, are starting to support Donald Trump. Because now we see the truth. A lot of us see the truth. And once we see the truth, it can't be undone. But the interesting point, the, 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 the interesting question to ask is, if all of you really believe in what you're saying, like we do, why weren't you out there? Why weren't you out there rebuking and refuting? Why weren't you out there preaching the gospel? Why weren't you out there preaching the political truth of America? There's only two answers. One, you're scared. 
One is you're scared. You were scared. I mean, that's an obvious one. Two, you don't really believe in all the ideas that you're talking about. And the two is the one that I'd like to delve into a little bit here. The two is the one that interests me the most. The one is obvious. People being scared since time immemorial. People are fearful. People will talk a lot of shit, but when push comes to shove, their fears will dominate their beliefs. Their fears will dominate their morals and their ethics. Their fears will dominate their actions. That is a, a pitfall of, of, of the human condition. All of us are, are victim of it. I shouldn't even say a victim of it. All of us have experienced it, where our fears overcame our better thinking. Maybe that's some of what happened with Derek Chauvin out there on that day. I don't know. Certainly, certainly it seems like what happened with George Floyd from his, from his end on that day. His fear overcame better thinking, better judgment. It happens. But it's not just Derek Chauvin or George Floyd. It's not just Derek Chauvin or George Floyd who, who are afflicted by this or who were afflicted by this on that day or any time in history. It's all of us. It's all of us. And our fear is driving a lot of our political activism, our political participation, our involvement in the process. It's driving it, fear. But the other, the flip side of the coin is dishonesty, lies. It's popular to talk about conservatism. It's popular in some respects. It's popular to talk about being a Republican or supporting Donald Trump or being MAGA. But the question still remains is if you, if you really believe in the ideas and you have the truth on your side, which we do, and I genuinely mean we have the truth on our side, why would you not be out there in the streets shouting it from the rooftops? That's a question you got to ask yourself. I can't answer it for you. Is it, is it possible that you've been psyoped? Is it possible that the fear porn and outrage machines like Fox News and all the, 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 the other, uh, you know, ancillary commentators, sources of information have become the highest level of controlled opposition that tell you Black Lives Matter and protest is an unworthy endeavor, an, uh, uh, an, uh, an unworthwhile endeavor, not worth your time? Is it possible? Is it possible that the point of January 6th was not only to try and make Donald Trump look bad, which they've proven they used it to do, you know, whether it was all set up or not, to be, to be continued? We'll see. And hopefully now we got a Speaker of the House that will properly investigate what really took place on January 6th and, we'll find, and once and for all will finally uncover just how deep that rabbit hole goes. But regardless, we know they wanted to use it to make Donald Trump look bad because they say, hey, hey, he, he, he incited an insurrection. He incited violence, even though the man said he wanted peace countless number of times. Anybody with half a brain and any common sense could see what took place there on January 6th. 
And when I go and listen to the testimony of FBI directors and deputy directors, and they can't answer straight questions about how many confidential informants were out there in the streets, law enforcement, we're back to law enforcement again, confidential informants, common word used in the law enforcement lexicon to justify blurring the line between when law enforcement is involved in crime and when they're just trying to, you know, maintain law and order. Blurry line there. We better get real familiar with that blurry line. Start to make some decisions, some clear, clear cut decisions about where we stand as citizens so we can hold our government and institutions accountable for where they cross that line. I digress. The point I'm making is, was it maybe that January 6th was not only used to make Donald Trump look bad, but to discourage every last deplorable from hitting the streets in protest of this global elite? Is that is that maybe part of what January 6th was about? When they when they perp walked Steve Bannon, when they perp walked the great Steve Bannon on some bullshit uh, 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 contempt charge? What message do you think they're actually sending? I mean, let's just cut the let's just cut through all of the noise. What message is the establishment sending when they perp walk a man who's told the truth as much as Steve Bannon has? What they're saying, the message they're sending is, I don't, we don't care how right you are. We don't care if you're telling the truth. We don't care if the people are behind you. The people are too busy. They become too busy with other things to really stand for anything. That's what they're saying. That's the message. That's the message that's being conveyed. And so I say in response to that, who are you, any of you out there, to put me on trial for going into the belly of the beast at one of the most pivotal moments in American history and bringing the focus away from the police precinct, which is really a scapegoat, smoke and mirrors, and walking people a couple blocks down to the Federal Reserve. Why are you all at, not at the Federal Reserve right now today? There are only 12 Federal Reserve buildings in the entire country. Why are you not protesting the Federal Reserve every single day? But then you want to talk about inflation. Well, we've become a very talkative movement. There's a lot of talk going on. I hear a lot of fucking chit-chat. But none of it going straight down the middle. None of it going straight down the pipe. Steve does a good job. Alex does a good job. Only a few people I would vouch for. Outside of them, I'm really, it's slim pickings. I'm going to tell you just like that. Honestly. I'm talking about people who are on air regularly. It's slim pickings. And I'm not saying there aren't people out there doing a good job. I'm saying every once in a while I can just see how the security state is is working somebody who should be a very vital uh, uh, asset to the movement and sending them off on a fucking, you know, on a, on a blank mission. I see it. I see it all the time. I just think to myself, well, what the, what are you, what, what? Now, I don't know it all, but but I know the basics. And let's stay focused on the basics here. When you start from a place where you say you should never resist arrest, 
you're already conceding that you should never fight the federal government. And that's really what you're saying. Never resist arrest is a microcosm of what has become of the American citizenship in every facet of our culture. We have not resisted the expansion of the federal government, right, wrong, or indifferent. We have failed to resist. We've done a lot of fucking talking. Had a lot of people get up to the podium with their fucking suit and tie and their American flag lapel pin. Their American flag uh, pin on their lapel. We've had a lot of that. We've had a lot of that throughout the years. But we failed to resist. And they failed to lead that resistance. They've failed to galvanize resistance. And do you think that's by accident? Why do you really think they want to make Donald Trump seem like this villain for being involved with January 6th? Because they care about uh, democracy? No, they're selling our ass to one of the most anti-democratic regimes in human history, the CCP there in China. There's nothing democratic about the CCP, and they're selling our ass to the CCP hand over fist. So do you really think they care about the health of democracy? Give me a break. No, Donald Trump is a transformative figure that can galvanize resistance. And that's what they're worried about. That's what's dangerous. And that's what's dangerous for both sides of the aisle for the uniparty. The uniparty on both sides of the aisle is is desperately, desperately concerned, desperately worried about somebody who can galvanize resistance. So you can play it how you want to. You you can play your hand how you want. Play your cards how you want. I'm not here to tell you how to play your cards. You're a citizen, grown, grown, grown adult. Play your cards how you see fit. But I can see clearly how they're playing their cards. And if you have any common sense, any, any sense whatsoever, whether it be common or uncommon, if you have any sense whatsoever, you can see how the establishment's playing their cards. So I played my card. My card was, you want to use George Floyd to forward LGBTQ woke nonsense? Well, let me gather up a few black men to come stand up at the front and let these white liberals tell us we're not welcome because we don't help preserve the status quo. Let, let, let a few of them tell us that uh, we, we, we have to support the LGBTQ agenda. And they did. They tried to. And I told them all, get the fuck behind me. That's who I am. I'm not afraid of the white liberals. I'm not afraid of BLM. I'm not afraid of Antifa. I thought that Kyle Rittenhouse, I wrote an article about Kyle Rittenhouse, and anybody who's putting Rittenhouse and anybody who's putting Rittenhouse and, and, and Derek Chauvin in the same breath are retarded. I mean, that's just retarded shit. Cal Rittenhouse was, was constitutional right to have a firearm. He had a firearm. He got attacked. People were running up to him. One guy hit him with a skateboard, and he shot him. 
And look, I don't know what in the world would make you think that you're bad enough. I mean, this is what I'm talking about. This is how I know that our society has become a full-spectrum jerk-off circus. What in the fuck would make you think that it's, it, it's in any way in any way logical to hit a man with a skateboard who has a gun, a long gun, to, to, for, at that, for that matter? Did Kyle Rittenhouse open fire on, on those protesters before they started to attack him? No, he did not. Case closed. Easy one. Easy one. Simple. Not to be conflated with Derek Chauvin and George Floyd whatsoever. Cal Rittenhouse, innocent. If anybody, black, white, green, brown, orange, or clear, has a gun on them, and you go to attacking them, and they shoot you, that's self-defense. It's a very simple case. Case closed. You saw in the video multiple times, there were multiple people who attacked him from multiple angles. Immediately, immediate bodily harm. Were the people who attacked Kyle Rittenhouse the same, doing the same thing as the people were doing the same thing as George Floyd? Was George Floyd an immediate threat for bodily harm to Derek Chauvin or anybody else out there on the street that day? You tell me. Big difference. Huge difference. And we got to understand the difference. We have to be willing to, to separate the two. Not to make any final statements about this one, or that, but to at, we at least got to separate them. We can't let the outrage machines on both sides clump them together and start to paint this mural of faces that are, you know, that, that become, uh, you know, clumped together, you know, so we can think about all of these as one. And that's what's happened. You know, there's so many things going on. There's so many stories. There's so much news. We start to clump it all together. But what we don't realize is the, the machine, the security state, the intelligence community, the people who get paid big money to craft these narratives for you at home so that you never get off your fucking couch and hit the front steps of the Federal Reserve, these people aren't stupid. These people are not stupid. They're very, very intelligent. They know just what emotional cord to hit. They know just what emotional cord to pull on. They know exactly what demographic they need to control. Which demographic they need to lead in which direction. And all of it's intended to keep black people and white people apart. I mean, it's very fucking, it's very fucking clear that the sole source of our political and global elites scam the sole source of their scam is our tax money and the and the main the main strategy to continue running the scam is to keep black people and white people fighting each other by any means necessary and i do mean by any means necessary they will do whatever they need to do in order to keep black and white people fighting 
because I, I don't know, the, the, the weight of racial tension in history in this country and around the world is so profound that nobody can seem to, to look past it, can look beyond it, to look around the corner to see the scam taking place right before our very eyes. We can't see it. Again, when you start from a place that you should never resist arrest, what you're saying without saying it is you should never resist the federal government. And that's exactly what the government wants you to think. That's exactly the message they want to send. Don't resist. The American, the, the, the American citizenship has become a microcosm of non-resistance. I'm sorry, American citizenship, I, I'm, let's be more specific. In the conservative movement, our conversation about policing and citizens and this, this default of non-resistance has become a microcosm of American citizens' lack of resistance or failure of resistance across the entire board. And we failed to resist. We have failed to resist time and time again. Tell me I'm lying. Where, where's, the, where's the lie? Please, y'all stop me when I stop telling the truth. I know you get triggered every time George Floyd comes up because, you know, you, you're trapped. You know, the, the mainstream outrage machine has you trapped. They got, they got you caught up in, in the fear porn. The, they got you caught up in the, you know, in the, in the, in the thing. I know you're triggered. I don't give a shit. That doesn't bother me that you get triggered. Wake up. Wake the fuck up. Same people saying they can't take the profanity. I mean, let's get this shit out on the table. I mean, there's a few things that I've just been dying to get out on the table. And one, one numero uno is if you start from a place of non-resistance, you're a cuck. You're a fucking cuck. Of course you should resist. When they come, when, when Child Protective Services comes in and takes your, tries to take your child out of your home because you won't affirm their gender-fluid identity, and the school has now reported you to CPS, and then the federal government sends CPS in to come and snatch your children, of course you should fucking resist. If the federal government comes in to try and force a, 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 an experimental vaccine in your arm, of course you should resist. If they try and fire you because you won't take an experimental vaccine, of course you should resist. If the FBI comes and tries to harass you and knock on your door or surveil you because you want to stop the schools from teaching or sexualizing our children, of course you should resist. But we're all afraid, right? And us being afraid is a, is a reasonable is a reasonable calculation to make. But the reason we're afraid is because we all know the government's become so big, we're all like a fly on an elephant's ass compared to it. And, and, and the question you must ask yourself is, how, how is it possible that we would lay the, the blame of that outgrowth on anybody but ourselves? We the people allowed the federal government to get this big. And the next question is why? The first question is, how did it happen? And if you think that it happened because of Marxists and communists and Democrats, then you're lying to yourself and you're caught up in the machine. You're caught up in the thing. You're caught up in the who else, who else's fault is it? That's the Mark Levin thing. 
That's the Fox News thing. That's the neocon rhino thing. That's the controlled opposition thing. The controlled opposition is meant to give you an enemy to focus on instead of the power that resides in your citizenship. The power that resides in your citizenship is 10 times more powerful than any of your enemies. But if we can keep you focused on your enemies, then you can never access it. And I'm not saying we shouldn't know who the enemies are, but for Christ's sakes, we all know who the enemies are now. I mean, what, what else do we need to say? I, I mean, again, next week I'll come on and I'll start to talk about the enemies again. But at some point, we have to balance this act. We have to balance the act with the action. We have to balance this movement with the action. We know who the enemies are. We know what they're doing. We know how they're doing it. They're not hiding it. But we've, we've accepted a culture of non-resistance. And it starts right there in this common turn of phrase, you know, this, this common default in the conservative movement that says, yo, well, he shouldn't have resisted arrest. <laughs> I'll tell you this. We're, we're, we got a, a we had a skirmish break out right there in the Middle East between Israel and Palestine, and the linchpin of of the new world order is the Holocaust in Israel. It just is. That, that's that's not an indictment of the Jews. It's not an indictment of Israel necessarily, but what I can say with with complete clarity is that. The threat of fascism that they now cast on to Donald Trump and the, the MAGA movement or the nationalist populist movement anywhere in the world, this idea that fascism, that nationalism is synonymous with fascism, number one, that's the first lie, that nationalism and fascism are synonymous. They're the same thing. Lie. Lie. That the Nazis were nationalists. Lie. They weren't nationalists. They were globalists to the max. Adolf Hitler, been working with Great Britain in the crown. Great Britain is a sine qua non of modern globalism. The sun never sets on the British Empire. It's still in effect today. Nazi Germany attacked four nations. Globalism. Lie. The point I'm making is fascism and, and, and Nazism and and racism and nationalism get all clumped together as one thing. And now anybody who believes in borders anywhere around the world is a threat to freedom, democracy, and ultimately the Jews. The Jews, black people, women, uh, Latinos, Hispanics, uh, the LGBTQ, any group we could name, short people, big people, any group we could, we could get in on the, on the bandwagon. If we can get a group in on the bandwagon, we can say, that believing in borders threatens the safety of those people. So my point in, in saying that is Israel is the linchpin of the New World Order's narrative. We have to continue to expand governments, federal governments in their nation, and get them to agree on global governance as an international peacekeeping collaborative so we can protect against Donald Trump. So we can protect against Royce White and Steve Bannon. So we can protect against the Alex Joneses of the world or whoever else we just don't like. 
I mean, today it'll be us. Tomorrow it'll be Dave Chappelle. Who knows? As soon as you start to cross that line, you know you're you know you know you know you can be included, right? And that's another message that they're sending. The definitions and the way we talk about things are so vague and ambiguous. Any of you could really become a criminal under our system of definition because it's fast and loose. Anybody can be a criminal. Yesterday it was George Floyd. Tomorrow it may be you. And maybe you don't have to be on fentanyl. Or maybe maybe there'll be trace amounts of fentanyl in any person who's on uh, uh, anti, uh, uh, antidepressants. Maybe there'll be traces of fentanyl for anybody who has back pain. Maybe there'll be traces of fentanyl in anybody who has, who's on statins or anybody who's on antibiotics or anybody, anybody who's on any pharmaceutical that's manufactured there in China. Maybe there'll be traces of fentanyl in all of your blood. And then maybe when we come and send the brown shirts to put their fucking boot on your back or on your head or on your neck or wherever they decide to place it, Maybe then we can go to the autopsy post-mortem and justify that we did it because you're a fucking drug addict. Oh, that's too far for you. Oh, if that's too far for you, please go caucus with the fucking Democrats because you're playing like you're awake to what's really going on. You're playing like you're red-pilled. Like you don't realize that the artificial intelligence that they're now cooking up is going to be used to blackmail and frame people who don't disagree with the party line with the mainstream narrative. We don't know that's coming. We don't know that the artificial intelligence and the, and the advancement of technology when it comes to video editing and all these other, and voice and, and sound engineering, all this stuff, is going to be used to frame people, is going to be weaponized. If they're going to throw your president in jail, what would make you think there's any limit to what they'll do? And if there's no limit to what they'll do, why are you so willing to accept limits on what you should do? If there's no limit to what your enemies will do, if there's no if there's no length they won't go to, why have you so easily accepted limits on what you should do, what you can do, what you're willing to do? Tell me. Drop it in the comments. I'll wait. A lot of y'all got a lot, to, a lot of shit to say about a lot of nothing. Drop that in the comments. If your enemies have no limits, why have you accepted their limitations? Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm going to pour myself some more water. I'm doing a water fast. I'm going to pour myself some more water here. Go ahead. Tell me. Have at it in the comments. If your enemies have shown there are no limits they won't go to, why have you so easily accepted their limitations? Even more so, why have you placed limitations on yourself? Never resist. Never resist. Or, oh, it's never resist unless it's justified, huh? Well, where's the justified resistance? Show me. Somebody show me where it is. Is it on the internet? Is it in the comment sections on social media? Is it in the live chat? See, I don't want that kind of resistance. I don't need that, that false catharsis. That, that's a false catharsis. That's, that's intended to make you feel like you're doing something. No, we need to have people like Tucker and Alex and Steve and Donald Trump and, you know, Jack Posobiec. I, lo I, I, love, Jack I love Jackie boy. Jack Posobiec. And there, there's a bunch of other people out there. Don't get me wrong. We need people to spread the word. 
We need people to articulate the battle plan and the strategy. But then we need to start to apply the strategy. And when we start from a place of non-resistance, we're doing a disservice to the people who have given and sacrificed their time to tell us the battle plan and strategy. And I'm not telling you that you should resist every arrest, that you should, that you should be confrontational with every cop. That's stupid. You get caught fucking speeding. You were doing 65 and a 60 and a cop pulls you over and says, hey, I'm writing you a ticket because you were speeding. Is that a time to get confrontational? No. Hey, I'm placing you under arrest. You're drinking while driving. You're, you're slurring your words and you're, and you're not maintaining, uh, uh, you know, speed or, or, you know, you're not maintaining, uh, you know, proper drive. No, that's not right. That's not right. So I'm not telling you to resist cops or be confrontational with cops on, you know, nonstop. But the question is, is this culture? And even it's just the narrative because most of you aren't interacting with cops. That's the funny thing. Most of us have no interaction with the vast majority of Americans do not often interact with the police. That's just the truth. I mean, even that's a part of the fear porn psyop. It's like there's burglaries happen all over the place all the time, all day. Stop. Stop with that bullshit. The vast majority of people are not going to be a victim of a violent crime. The vast majority of people are not going to have interactions with the cops. There's 350 million people living in this country. Nowhere near that. It's just a small fraction of people who are involved with crime. There's a small fraction of people who interact with police. And they're all, now I'm not saying they're all criminals. People interact with police for all kinds of reasons. Maybe it's a, a, a small fender bender and you, you, know, you, you got to wait for a police to come do the police report. Should you get confrontational with the cop? Is that, should that be the moment you decide, here's my shining moment to resist? No, of course not. I'm not telling you resist just to resist. But what I am saying is that the culture, the turn of phrase itself, you can see it in the zeitgeist. You can tune in right now, probably in the comments or wherever this podcast is airing, and you can see people say some such and such shouldn't have resisted. And they're not really talking about that person specifically. They're saying that in their calculation, in a radical materialist calculation, where you have one life to live, the risk is too high to ever resist when you're dealing with the cop. To ever do anything other than compliance. But then I see, but then I see do not comply all over the fucking internet. You don't realize that the woke right has become just as symbolic and theatric, uh, theatrical. It's become just as symbolic and theatrical as the left. The right has become the counter movement of, of theater, of political theater that the left is. And we have to make a decision to change that. That's why I'm talking to you the way that I'm talking to you. That's why I use the word fuck at the drop of a dime. And I don't care about your sensibilities. Because the, the, the nature of a do not comply movement that's also, you know, needs the language to meet the what? The, the, FC, the, 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 the FCC? The FCC criteria? You want to put ratings on podcasts? You want to put ratings on the truth? Uh, you want to put TV mature 
TV mature ratings on on the truth about a dying nation, a nation that's on in up, you know in flames. Give me a break. You're just in it for the theater, and you think your your version of theater is different than the left's version of theater because their version of theater is a, a bunch of woke white folks going out to the middle of the forest and 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 doing some some you know some prayer circle or or you know performative art dancing that that looks ridiculous. You think that you're but you, your your level of theater, your type of theater, your version of theater is actually more ridiculous because they don't think they're doing it for political reasons. They're narcissists. You actually have convinced yourself you're doing it for a political reason, but it has no political action. It has no political activism. Which one's more ridiculous? They know what they're doing. They're climbing to the top of a 100-story building because they're nihilists. They don't believe in anything other than themselves right here, right now. And they're either looking for that adrenaline rush or they're looking for, I don't know, affirmation, likes, attention, whatever it is, whatever floats their boat. Surely has nothing to do with something greater than themselves, even if they say that's what it's for. We're going to go stand in the middle and block the road for climate change. Give me a break. They're not doing it for the climate. They're probably driving home. In a, you know, in a, in a, in a, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. They're, they're driving home listening to podcasts with Greta Thunberg and she's flying around on private jets. But you, you all at home, you in the conservative movement, you say you're doing it for sacred honor. You say you're doing it for national honor. You say you're doing it to save a nation. So it better damn well live up to that standard. And I'll be that standard bearer. I have no problem with it, to be honest, because the line seems very clear. We can't start from a place of non-resistance. It's a slippery slope. And we've failed that test multiple times. We better change it now. We've been given the opportunity to change it, which wasn't a given. We didn't have to. This could be over by now. I mean, this could already be over. Somewhere. Somewhere in the grand scheme of things, we've been given the opportunity to choose something different. We better take that fucking chance while we still have it. We better take the fucking chance to choose something different while we still have it. Part of that is letting go of the theater. Don't talk about do not comply, 1776, I'm ready to go to war on the internet, but then the word fuck ruffles your feathers. Clutching your fucking pearls. That's what you're doing. And you said the, I saw one person's, of course, their name was Wendy. (laughs) Fucking Wendy. Wendy says, uh, you know, to say the word fuck five times in a row is gratuitous. It's immature. Another thing we've accepted. (coughs) Another (coughs) strange turn of phrase, common, commonly used, uh, commonly used bullshit people who curse show a lack of intelligence there are no scientific studies anywhere that suggest people who use profanity have a lack of intelligence in fact all the studies show the exact opposite all the studies show the exact opposite people who use profanity tend to have higher iq Einstein was notorious for being a, you know, a 
profane individual. Look at the great war generals in our in our history, all the cuss like sailors, right? I don't know. Maybe you think sailors are, you know, dummies. I don't know why. The leader, the great Steve Bannon, Navy man, cuss like sailors, right? I don't know where you people are getting this stuff from. I honestly, I, I look at I look at some of the comments and I just think, damn, these psyops are deep. The shit these people are, and you, you you just hear it regurgitated, you know. And I start to think, are you people actually regurgitating these things because you want to you want to see yourself saying the same thing that somebody else says? Is it is it? Are you that desperate for a sense of belonging? Are you that desperate for a sense of belonging that you need to say your you need to see your comment and idea echoed by somebody else to feel like you're a part of something? Because that's what the woke left is doing. That's their whole pitch. You don't need your own opinion. You don't need your own ideas. You don't need your own nuance. You don't need original thoughts. All you got to do is sign up for the thought machine that we have pre-baked for you. And if you throw in with this thought machine, then we'll affirm you. We'll accept you. We'll, we'll put our arms around you. We'll embrace you. Right? It's going to feel good. It's going to feel genuine. It's going to feel like we actually like you. <laughs> it's going to feel like we actually like you. But we don't We don't actually like you. Right? You're just a part of the machine. You're just a part of the hive mind. And as soon as you start to cross that line, no matter what position you had before, Al Franken, Cuomo, Don Lemon, little brother Cuomo, um, the list goes on and on. And I mean, who, whoever, you could, you know, pick somebody. As soon as you start to cross that line, we'll show you how much we never really liked you in the first place. We got no problem doing that. No problem. Kevin Hart, we got no problem doing that. Oh, you had a, you made a little joke about the LGBTQ? We got no problem showing you we never really liked you in the first place. You're expendable. You better come kneel at the throne and apologize, or we could really show you how much we don't like you, and we'll try and take everything from you. And we'll besmirch your name on the way out. This is why black people are starting to wake up. We see it. We see what's going on over there, but where can we go to when the woke right is doing the same exact thing? I can't tell you how much I'm seeing it. I can't tell you how much I'm seeing it. Never resist arrest? How about, well, you know, just tell me in the comments. Feel free. Feel free, please. Actually, I, I implore, I beg you. I beg you to tell me what set of circumstance would warrant resistance. You tell me. Let's 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 reverse engineer it. Let's not go from the place of picking each and every individual situation and saying they shouldn't have resisted. That person shouldn't have resisted arrest. You tell me what set of circumstances you can conceive of where you would resist. This is this is a good exercise to to gauge where you really are in your your thinking around this issue, around the fight between citizens and a federal government that's become corrupt, elitist, and means to bastardize your rights and freedoms.
what set of circumstances would need to be in order for you to resist? Go ahead, go ahead in the comments. You got a lot to fucking say. Let's hear you, let's hear you talk and comment on that. You got a lot to fucking say any other time. Let's hear you comment on that. What set of circumstances could you conceive of where it would warrant your resistance? There's a ton for me. There's a, there's a laundry list. And it keeps me up at night sometimes because I understand how close we are to that, that moment. It's not to incite violence. The first, the first line of defense is, let's stop voting for fucking rhinos and neocons. That's the, that's the first line of defense. Let's stop, act, let's stop acting like the political process is a wash. That is all, you know, it's, it's, it's over. We, we, there's nothing more we can do. Let's stop acting like that. It's corny. It's corny. It's, it's, its, own, it's, 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 it's a form of conservative nihilism. Oh, the political process doesn't matter. I had somebody tell me the black vote doesn't matter. As I'm watching the mainstream media industrial complex panic, that the black vote has organically shifted towards Donald Trump despite their many efforts to try and besmirch his image for that key demographic. I am watching the liberal mainstream media industrial complex panic that the black vote is starting to shift towards Donald Trump despite them spending countless resources countless resources to brand him as a white supremacist for that exact demographic of people. And you're telling me voting doesn't matter. And more specifically, the black vote doesn't matter because they're going to vote Democrat anyway. And I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to think that you're anything other than a jerk off. Or maybe you're one of those people that just wants to complain on the internet while the ship sinks and then you can you can have the excuse that the vote didn't count anyway. I said it before, I'll say it again. If you're getting cheated in a sports contest, if you're getting cheated, you play as hard as you can and you make everybody walk away from that particular arena, field, gym, whatever it is, you you make those people walk away feeling as though you've been cheated. And that will start to move the needle. But see, a lot of us aren't willing to give that kind of sacrifice. Steve Bannon is. And people are like, well, why do you like Steve Bannon so much? I saw one guy say, oh, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're speaking too highly of Steve Bell. Oh, shut the fuck I'm speaking too highly. I'm speaking too highly of, a, of a, a, another man who's, who who has who's financially stable, financially well off, and he chooses to throw himself into the fiery crucible of American politics at a time when it's more dangerous than ever, and even is willing to fight against the the Congress itself and the lawfare being waged on conservatives, and is willing to go to jail if need be, is willing to die if need be, and I'm giving him too much respect. 
Well, what are you willing to die for? What are you willing to go to jail for? Again, in the comments. What are you willing to sacrifice for? And don't give me the generics. Give me a specific. You know, you guys like to get specific in your in your little, you know, bickering. Get specific with this. What things are you willing to sacrifice your life for? Tell me. Go ahead. What things are you willing to sacrifice your life for? What things are you willing to sacrifice your freedom for? And before, I mean, let's stop well short of that. Are we really asking anybody to sacrifice their life or their freedom here? What are you willing to sacrifice your, your, your fucking TV, your favorite TV show for? I don't think anybody's asking you to sacrifice your life, to be honest. I don't think anybody's asking you to make those, those, those heavy sacrifices like Steve Bannon is making or like Alex Jones has made. I don't see anybody asking the majority of you to make those sacrifices. What are you willing to sacrifice? Are you willing to sacrifice even the slightest inconvenience? Let's be honest. I'm here. I'm willing to sacrifice an entire year of my, t of my time going out and speaking the truth, whether it's in the belly of the fucking beast where you all say, where the conservatives will say, well, that's BLM territory. None of them are going to vote Republican anyway. Or I'm willing to go to rural fucking Minnesota and, and speak to them about the, the, the dangers and the misinformation that's coming out of the metropolitan areas uh, when it comes to any number of issues as well. I'm willing to do that. Could be doing anything else with my time at 32 years old. Could be worried about just making money. You know, they say your prime years of earning are between this age and that age. I could just be worried about making money. And a lot of you are just worried about making money. Let's be honest. Let's just cut right through the bullshit. You're worried about making money. You're worried about keeping up with your bills. You're worried about, and, and all of that's fine. But how on earth do you think that you're ever going to be able to sustain any resemblance of prosperity when you're working under people that mean to turn you into serfs? It's not going to happen. It's especially not going to happen if you let them get you caught up in division to, 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 to stop you from galvanizing a movement that could really throw these people out. And what do we got? We got... Nikki Haley. <laughs> I'm hearing rumblings here in Minnesota that the Minnesota GOP, people in the Minnesota GOP, plan to endorse Nikki fucking Haley for president. You're talking about a party now. Let's, let's, let, let's think about this. You're talking about a party that lost in the midterms. Now, mind you, I wasn't in the midterm election. I ran and I got primaried by an establishment candidate and I got beaten in a primary that was front-loaded to the max, okay? Entire establishment behind this primary candidate and I lost by 700 votes, okay? So I wasn't in the midterm election, so there wasn't no loss on my record. You Republican establishment rhino motherfuckers lost to the Democrats again. I wasn't in it, okay? Now I'm going to go into a Senate race 
And I would venture to guess that they're going to try and run somebody against me as well because they don't want people who could actually move the needle, which makes you ask, do they really want to win or, or have they been paid to lose? Nikki Haley, the same party that says they need to reach new demographics of people. They need to reach new demographics of people, and they can't do that as long as the party wants to have a, a, a wants to stick to wedge issues like abortion or election integrity. This is their remedy. This is their fucking solution. From the RNC down. I'm telling you how it's coming down from the RNC. Don't talk about abortion. Don't talk about forever wars or globalism. Don't talk about the Ukraine. We're, we're supporting the Ukraine. Don't talk about election integrity. We're not talking about election integrity. At least we're not talking about it in any real substantive manner. We're not election deniers. These are their three things. Military-industrial complex, stay away from abortion, stay away from the integrity of elections. But we need to change the demographic. We, we need to reach new demographics, but we can't talk about any of these things. So what demographics are we actually trying to reach? And now we're supposed to, now we're supposed to watch as the Republican Party, as the Republican Party here in Minnesota or anywhere across the country, backs Nikki Haley over Donald J. Trump when Donald J. Trump's approval is, is, is higher than ever? In what world? In what fucking world? Who out there even likes Nikki Haley? Honest to God, I, I, I just have to tell you, you can talk all the shit you want about black people and about this person or that person or what. You can talk all the shit you want. Don't know black people like Nikki Haley. Ain't no black people voting for Nikki Haley. There ain't a black person on the planet that's going to vote for Nikki fucking Haley. And if there's a black person on the planet that's going to vote for Nikki Haley, you can rest assured they're probably taking checks in some form of fashion from the same rhino establishment that you say that you don't like. They're on the payroll. They're on the, they're on the take. And it just so happens a lot of those black people often aren't welcome around other black people. See me, and this is what they don't show you. This is what they don't show you on Fox News. This is what they don't show you with Alpha News. This is what they won't show you in a lot of this conservative media. There are black people out here who run as Republicans, who openly support Donald Trump, who openly tweet, that they're MAGA, that can still go around a lot of black people and have respect. I'm one of them. I might, on my, you know what? On my YouTube channel, my personal YouTube channel, I might start a personal vlog. That's what I think I'm going to do. I'm glad this, this just organically came to me in, in real time. What I'm going to do is I'm going to start a day in the life over this campaign. So you all can see the places that I can actually go and you can hear the conversations that I actually have with the constituents here in Minnesota and potentially, and we'll talk about this at another juncture, across the battleground states. I'm going to start to do a day in the life so you can actually see the difference between some of these neocon rhino black conservatives that they go find 
out of fucking nowhere and train and teach. Those people are the real fucking plants. Not the organic people who come up from the mud, from the dirt, and figure out the scam and start talking about it and bringing people to the Federal fucking Reserve. I don't have to name names. Well, what, what, Pick one. You pick me a black conservative that you like, and you ask me over and under chances that you will see them in front of the Federal Reserve condemning the monetary policy of this uniparty establishment. You tell me. You show me. Pick one. And there's some out there. Don't get me wrong. There are some out there. But they're not the ones they're putting up in front of you. They're not the, one the, the ones the establishment's backing. Let's just talk about it. Heard there was a, 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 a turning point event coming up here. You know they're not inviting me. Scared, scared shitless of people like me. Charlie, and I like Charlie. I think Charlie says some, some, some good things sometimes. Charlie's, you know, scared shitless for people like me to come around. Because I cut through all the bullshit. And they know I'm competent enough and I'm articulate enough and I'm sharp enough to cut right through all the bullshit. And I'm not going to sit there and listen to a bunch of fucking bullshit. A bunch of people jerk each other off. Respectfully. We're, we're past all of the pleasantries here. We're, we're past the, 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 the bull... Neoconism. And I'm not saying Charlie's a neocon, but I'm saying that there's a pervasive culture of, of like... If we don't get everybody together on that, no, no, we need to get everybody together under the right auspices. We need to get everybody together under a transcendent and transformative message and direction. And what the fuck are we waiting on? And why are we so shy or scared to say that's not the that that ain't gonna bear fruit? Nikki Haley ain't gonna bear fruit. And while many people in the MAGA and conservative movement are willing to say Nikki Haley ain't going to bear fruit, what step are we willing to take? All of you all across the country who are delegates, should be, you should be bringing resolutions in your party to endorse Donald J. Trump as president of the United States, for president of the United States, to endorse him as the presidential candidate. You should be bringing resolutions to endorse him. And if any of these GOP leaders across the country bring Nikki Haley in or they bring somebody to speak on behalf of Nikki Haley or they bring some or they have some type of fucking donor party to support a Nikki Haley, you should be bringing resolutions to have them kick the fuck out of the party. That type of action. That type of energy. Enough with the friends to be friends deal. If I don't want to be friends and I don't want to be liked by the people over there on the left, what make you think I'm coming and I want to be liked or, or friends with, with, with anybody anywhere else, anywhere else? It ain't about friends. It's about saving the country. How is the party of low taxes and low regulation not in the streets protesting about the economic tyranny of the Federal Reserve? Go ahead, tell me. Too busy? If you're too busy now, I I I worry if you'll ever uh, be 
be free to fight for the, the soul of the country. Well, that's my real concern. My real concern is if we'll ever actually have enough time uh, to, to fight back. When you start from a place of, uh, of non-resistance, but how are you going to fight back? When will you have time to fight back if you start from a place of non-resistance? Just tell me. Nikki Haley, I can't even believe it. I can't even believe my ears and my eyes. I can't even believe people actually like Nikki Haley. It's, it's, it's mind-blowing. It really is. I cannot believe it. I, I cannot come to grips that with, with the fact that people actually support Nikki Haley. Before you talk about the black vote not being important, before you talk about some black person being a thug, why don't you go check with your own fucking friend group and figure out which one of them secretly like Nikki fucking Haley? Why don't you spend time on, on that in your message boards and your fucking group chats or wherever or your comment sections? Let's figure out who's actually supporting Nikki Haley. But see, you're not spending that much time on that. And that much is clear. And the question you have to ask yourself is, did they get me? Am I caught, am I caught in it? When I came on the scene, the first thing I did was criticize the black bourgeoisie. Why? Because it's my own people I need to deal with first. Now, it just so happens the black bourgeoisie, the black bourgeois, element of the black community all across the country have long been sold out to the white liberal. So you can't talk about the black bourgeoisie without talking about white liberals. You can't have a conversation about the black bourgeoisie without also indicting white liberals. Some of you still following Mark Levin. Let me show you how good the controlled opposition works. Mark Levin is now going out and attacking Nikki Haley as being a fraud. But their foreign policy is the same. On the record. I'm not, I'm, this ain't like a conspiracy theory. The foreign policy of Nikki Haley and Mark Levin are the exact same. When it came to Ukraine and Russia, when it comes to Israel, when it comes to foreign interventionism all across the globe, their, their foreign policy is the exact same. But now if he goes out on Twitter and criticizes Nikki Haley, what, he gets more credibility with the Donald Trump supporters? But ask him about his foreign policy. We lost in the Ukraine. That war's over. Whether they want to tell you or not, they could cling they could cling to it if they want to. They can hang on for dear life if they want to. That war is done. Ukraine has lost the war. There is no set of circumstances short of a, a, a major, major escalation of kinetic warfare that would change the outcome of that war. And even in the greatest escalation, I still don't think that we'd beat the Russians or that the Ukraine could beat the Russians. The Ukrainians can beat the Russians, I'm sorry. The war is over. When they say we need to redefine success in the Ukraine, 
They're saying we lost, we were wrong. This Atlanticist model, this anti-Russian, Atlanticist uh, global political, you know, nomenclature, it's, it's a relic. We're almost done with it. Sorry, Zygbin Ubrzynski. Sorry, Morning Mika and Cuck Joe. Sorry, guys. You lost. You go around D.C., you know, panhandling and see how much capital you still have. But at the end of the day, push comes to shove. They couldn't win. You can make the argument of, uh, you know, who you think is better or whatever ideas or Vladimir Putin's the great villain of the next century or whatever you want to say. Bottom line is you lost. You went out there on a limb. You tried, you got out over your skis and you found yourself tumbling down the side of a fucking cliff with a big snowball building up right behind you. Avalanche. Reality. Mark Levin and Nikki Haley's position on Ukraine and Russia is the same. Chris Christie, Tim Scott, Ron DeSantis. Vivek's the only one who had the balls to step out and, uh, you know, deviate from the party line. And Donald Trump's so far out in the head of these people, it's it's comical. They all should drop out. I, I don't even understand what they're still doing in the race. Honest to God, I don't even understand what they're still doing in the race. None of them have a shot in hell at beating Donald Trump. They're all hoping that he's thrown in jail. And that, that kind of tells you who they are. That kind of tells you who they are. That kind of highlights what I've been talking about this entire fucking episode. It's a default of non-resistance. Their starting place is, if, if, if it is, their starting place is, if Donald Trump gets thrown in prison, somebody has to step up to be the next person. And you don't see a lack of sacred honor in that? If I was, I'm 32 years old. If I was 35 years old and I was eligible to run for president, I would, I, first of all, I wouldn't even have run against Donald Trump because I understand what he represents and I understand they're scared of him and I would have liked that. Wait your turn. I get it. Every political season now, you know, this person's running and now they're a potential VP candidate or they're, they're just positioning themselves for the next race or whatever the case may be. Fine. Okay. Okay. The nation's burning. There might not be a next fucking election if we don't get this shit right. The nation's under attack. There might not be a 2028 election if we don't put a plug in this shit right here, right now. But if I was eligible and I was running and they were threatening to throw a man in jail, I'd pull out of the race for, for that reason alone. And I'd say, if they wage this type of lawfare, we need to get tell Nikki Haley to get all her fucking donors ready to put their money in for Donald Trump's legal fees if the lawfare kangaroo courts actually try and prosecute him and take the Democratic vote away from the American citizens. That's what the Nikki Haley should be doing. Oh, you know what? You know what? Under further review, if they're actually going to go this far with this level of lawfare, 
I'm pulling out of the presidential race. Any any money, any money that that my donors were willing to give to me, we need to give to Donald Trump and his legal defense because this level of lawfare, this battleground, isn't just about Donald Trump. It's about each and every one of us. Are any of them willing to do that? You know the fucking answer, and that tells you where the movement really is. That tells you that we need to weed these people out. Again, I say as a reiteration from what I said on Monday, the Fox News neocon rhino pitch is we need more police to save you from becoming a victim of a violent crime. My pitch is buy a gun buy some ammunition, learn to use it, learn to use it safely, develop a safety plan for you and your family. Then you call the police. One pitch is a neocon pitch. The other pitch is Max Pax Americana. One pitch is the neocon pitch. The other pitch is Pax Americana. One pitch is the same way that the local the local affects the global. The pitch of outsourcing your protection to someone else, to some other agency, to some other person, to some other corporation. The whole scam of globalism is to outsource your citizenship, your is to outsource your your essentials to someone else so you become dependent. And that way they can have an excuse, they can have a justification for an infinite expansion. And this is what I was trying to say about the cops on Monday that you all get so triggered you can't even hear. What's the number one way to safeguard the the infinite expansion of the federal government? Make everybody a part of it. Make everybody a part of it. Expand the employee base. That way the people have a, a, a lackluster level of resistance to the expansion. We'll just keep making, we'll just keep bloating, the, we'll keep more agencies, more cops, more, te- more, more everything. If it's federally funded, we'll grow it. That's the scam here that's been run. Police are no different. Policing is no different. More police, more police, more justification for law enforcement, more, I mean, come on. Are the police going to take a stand? Let, let's, let's be honest. Let's, let's ask the question. You all think the police are going to protect you. They're going to save you. Why didn't the police boycott the vaccine? Why didn't they, walk, why didn't they go on strike? Why didn't the union stand against police departments all across the country? Why didn't we see the police out there in the streets like we saw the truckers there in Canada or the trucker convoy here in America? Why wasn't there a police uh, walkout the same as we saw with the truckers? We're starting to see who people really are. And I know you want to think that they're going to protect you. And that's, you know, and that's a pitfall of the movement right now. All these individual law enforcement officers need to take a second fucking look at that oath. They need to take a second look at that oath and make a decision right here, right now. 
or in the very near future about which master they serve. Do they serve we the people or do they serve their bosses in an elitist, expansionist, corrupt federal government? There's your answer. There you will find your answer. Watch what they choose. There you will find your answer. And when you find that answer, it can help you analyze the way you see cops interact with citizens all over the country. Whether you agree, don't agree, whether the cop was right or wrong, the question is, just like I asked the other day, is, is what, is the in, what is the institution intended to be? Is the institution intended to be a, a, a bastion of freedom and protection? Really? You really believe that? Who do you think is going to come cart you? Who do you think is going to come cart you off when the time comes? You think the white coats like Dr. Fauci are coming down from their ivory towers to round you up and cart you off? You think the suits from Capitol Hill are coming down to cart you, to, to, to round you up and cart you off? Who do you think's coming to round you up and cart you off? But it's back to blue, right? We can't even have that conversation. That's how I know we're not ready. And, and my real question is, what will we need to see? What else do we need to see what, other than what we've already saw? Is it going to take for whole whole uh, neighborhoods and communities of kids to be to be swept up by CPS with a cop standing there? Is it going to take for people for for another pandemic and a vaccine and them to come and force people to take it? What is it going to take for people to understand the dangers that that are in front of us? The government is not your friend. Your rule of law is only legitimate, is only as legitimate as the lawmakers who enforce the law, who write the laws and enforce the laws. When your lawmakers are corrupt, there is no rule of law. When your lawmakers are corrupt, there is no righteous law enforcement. That's the fucking starting point. That's the Pax Americana starting point. I don't know how brainwashed, how how much more brainwash you could possibly get in this conservative movement, but let's separate the two. Pax Americana or neoconism. Neoconservatism. Pax Americana is there is no rule of law when your lawmakers are corrupt, and I mean that shit. I'm not just saying it's not a turn of phrase. This ain't a fucking catchphrase. This didn't come from a focus group. This didn't come from a focus group that we pulled together to see which things would 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 bode well with your average voter. This is straight from the heart. Your rule of law is corrupt. Your rule of law is only as good as your lawmakers. If your lawmakers are corrupt, then the rule of law is corrupt. And what do we find out here? I said it's current events. The reason why I'm saying it's current. What, what do we find out here? $1.9 trillion missing from the Department of Defense? $1.9 trillion? Trillion with a T? 
I told you 10 episodes back, two trilly every year. They got to have it. I said it to you. And you think I'm fucking lying? You don't trust what I'm saying to you? Or you want or, or do you want to look continue to look away? Maybe you just don't want to see the truth. Maybe you don't want to see it. Maybe it's too much for you. Maybe the weight and the shadow of this federal government is too big for you to feel like you can fight. I get that. I get that. But at least stand the fuck aside and let us real pipe hitters work then. Right? Just throw your support. Just throw your support. I'm not even talking about money. But don't get us bogged down with your bullshit comments. Let us work. Let Donald Trump work. Let Steve Bannon work. Let me work. Don't undermine the work. You see the results, 50%. 50% of black people are now in support of Donald Trump. You see the results. If you don't actually want to win, get the fuck out of the way. It's the same thing I'd tell you if I was on your team as an athlete. If you don't want to play, if you don't want to win, if you don't want to surrender your selfish bullshit, go sit over there on the fucking sidelines. You can still be on the team. You can still have a jersey. You know, when we win... You can still get your medal and your participation award or whatever, the, whatever you know, they hand out. You know, you can still be at the end of the year party, right? But stay the fuck out of my way. Please and thank you. I told you, $2 trillion a year. The Uniparty, the, 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 main, the main source of Uniparty corruption is the budget. The main source, the, the beating heart of uniparty corruption is the budget. So when you see the rhinos who vote to raise the debt ceiling instead of march to the Federal Reserve, you know who you're dealing with. And you got to ask yourself who voted for them. And not only that, who will vote for them again in spite of knowing that they're trying to steal from the American people? Every time they raise the debt ceiling, every time they have one of these CR bills where they raise the debt ceiling or they, they agree to spend money on shit that they'll never account for, they're stealing from you. I told you, $4 trillion, $2 trillion a year, for defense, for the military-industrial complex, $2 trillion a year for Medicaid and Medicare and the medical-industrial complex. The Democrats take the, the, the health racket and the neocons and the rhinos take the military concession. And from the two, it's about $4 trillion a year. And you whack $4 trillion up, $4 trillion a year up between... 4,000 people, let's say, that's some damn good eating. That's some damn good eating. And you wonder why you're broke. You wonder why Thanksgiving it's hard to put turkey and cranberry sauce on the fucking table. You, you, you wonder why it's going to be hard to get Christmas gifts that are already manufactured at cost in fucking China for a fraction of the cost. You wonder why it's going to be hard to put those under the tree for your children. 
You're letting your government steal from you. And I told you before, when your government steals, everybody fucking steals. But you want to talk about George Floyd passing counterfeit money. This has been another episode of Please Call Me Crazy, brought to you by Free People Radio. The fight continues. Don't die a jerk off. And as always, Godspeed.